0: So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the passage that starts in verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. You remember that Jesus has made this shift in His ministry. Um, Up to this point, uh, the majority of Jesus' ministry, according to Mark and his has been around the Sea of Galilee, um, sometimes moving up into the north, uh, but mostly it's been up in those areas. And then just a few verses earlier to what we're going to be talking about, uh, Mark records that Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem and started heading south. And he's on his way to Jerusalem now, on his way to the, to the triumphal entry that we celebrate on Palm Sunday and ultimately to the cross. And he is um, focusing his attention uh, primarily on his disciples. There still are interactions with other people. But but what we've been finding in the last few passages has been his describing what it means to have faith. How he invites us to come into his presence to experience His salvation and His goodness and His love in our lives. So let's start reading verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. And as He was setting out on His journey, a man ran up and knelt before Him and asked Him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. (laughs) For all things are possible with God. Peter then began to say to him, Uh, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not also receive a hundredfold now and this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands with, persecutions and then in the age to come eternal life many who are first will be last and the last first this young man i think sometimes gets a bad rap he is asking the right question. I, I, I went back through, through the rest of, of Mark's account. Nobody else is coming to Jesus asking about eternal life. That is the right question. That is the right perspective. That is the right focus of our lives is, is how do I receive eternal life? of all of the wonderful things that we experience here in this world, in this place, in this life, none come even close to comparing to the importance of our eternal destiny. This young man was asking the right question, and he came to Jesus with the right attitude. You look, this wasn't a situation where he was coming to test Jesus. He came running to him. He fell on his knees. said, good teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? He came with the right heart. He was desperate to know. He, he had his priorities straight. I think we also see from this passage that, that this young man understood who Jesus was. Even Jesus' disciples were, were wrestling and, and, and being challenged by this, this concept that Jesus' kingdom wasn't an earthly kingdom, but it was an eternal kingdom. And he recognized that, that the only one who could offer him eternal life was God. I think that's why Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Some people use that to to try and twist and say, well, see, Jesus didn't think that he was actually God. (laughs) My understanding that that Jesus said this to, to warn this young man. You call me good? If you're calling me good, then you know that you're calling me God because only God is good. You'll notice that, that the young man doesn't change or anything like that. He doesn't, oh, well, no, I wasn't actually calling you God or, or any of that. He left it at that. He was totally satisfied. This young man was asking the right question. He came with the right heart. He understood that the kingdom was an eternal spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, and he recognized that Jesus was God. But Jesus was warning him to say, if you're calling me good, then you know that I'm God and I know your heart. There's nothing that you can hide from me. And then Jesus says, what does the law say? And he recites a good portion of the Ten Commandments. And the young man said, I've kept all of those. All my life, I've I've been able to hold fast to those. And, And I think on some level we can believe him. We can trust him and take him at his word. But Jesus saw his heart. And he knew that there was a part of this man's life That still had preeminence over his desire for eternal life. That it was those possessions, that wealth that he had inherited or accumulated, whatever. That even though this young man was asking the right question, that he, that he had the right heart, that he was uh, recognizing that the kingdom was an eternal one and knew that Jesus was God, there was still one part of his life that he couldn't give up. The encouraging thing for me is that Jesus loved him. Because I know that in my life, there are times when, when there are things that press in on me that take preeminence in my thoughts towards God. And in my own selfishness, in my own brokenness, that I... I follow paths that go opposite to where Christ would call me. Jesus doesn't give up on us. Jesus doesn't reject us in that moment. He loves us. And He loves us enough not to let us stay there. Jesus, Jesus knew this man's heart, and he pushed him on this one area that he knew God, that, that, this, that this man was not ready to give up. See, Jesus doesn't want easy faith. It would have been so much easier for Jesus just to say, this guy's close enough, let's just let him in. Or, or, you know what, over the next few years you're going to have to work on this one area of your life. But you're still good. We're, we've got you here. Jesus wasn't looking, isn't looking for easy faith. Jesus requires genuine faith. Where, where there is nothing that is preeminent over our hearts than Him. And disappointed, he went away because he had great possessions. What a tragedy. It's so easy to see from our perspective, reading the story of going, oh, he made the wrong choice. And yet how often in our hearts do we let those things creep in and take preeminence over our love for Jesus? But Jesus isn't going to leave you there. That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit to come and convict you on those areas of your life that you have allowed to take a higher priority than Christ. Because Jesus is not satisfied with easy faith. He wants you to have genuine faith. Scripture doesn't record any more of this young man for us or, or talk about what the response is. There are actually some that have looked at this story and looked at some of the other characters that are described in Scripture and have thought perhaps that maybe this was one of those. There are some that that have suggested that this young man was Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, whose name was Joseph and he was from Cyprus and he was a God-fearing man from Cyprus, and came to faith in Jesus Christ early at the beginning of the church and in that movement that was going on there in Jerusalem as, as there were so many people that had come from so many places it says that that Barnabas had a property a, a piece of land that he sold and took the money and brought it and laid it at the feet of the apostles so that they could distribute it to the rest of those who, who were in need at that time. Uh, it, it, that's a great ending to the story. Uh, it would be awesome. And, and, and Barnabas, his name at that point, the apostles changed his name and called him from Joseph to Barnabas, son of encouragement, son of consolation. And he played a significant role in the expansion of the church. Going out with Paul in, in his first missionary journey. And then afterwards continuing on and going to Cyprus and planting churches um, in a number of areas throughout the Mediterranean, uh, North Africa. Um, playing a significant role in the church. He was the one who, who hearing about Saul, went out and, and found him and brought him to Jerusalem to introduce him to the disciples when nobody else would. Marvelous role. And wouldn't that be great if that was Barnabas, that was this young man? You can see the lesson learned that those priorities had shifted. Uh, I, I can't make that claim in, with any great confidence. There's others that have, uh, that have actually connected this with Joseph of Arimathea. Um, Another one who sacrificed, one of the, the Pharisees that were in that area, who he was the one who gave his, his tomb to, for Jesus to be laid in and, and played again a significant part in the early church. Someone of great wealth that, that helped support those that were in need there at the beginning of the Jerusalem church. I don't know if any of those are actually true. but you can't escape from the love of Jesus. That even though Jesus puts us in a place where, we have, where, our, where our faith is tested, not just going the easy way, but, but into a genuineness, that in that testing that Jesus refines our faith and purifies it so that we can come to Him as he requires as he, as we need in order to be in relationship with him so then he jesus turns to the disciples and talks about how impossible it is to enter the kingdom of god you remember what jesus had been talking about in in the previous passage where Jesus said, unless someone comes to me, unless you come as a child, you cannot receive the kingdom of God. You will not enter the kingdom of God. It does not belong to you. And remember last week we talked about how a child comes with nothing. This is exactly the same point. Jesus is, is reapplying the same teaching that he was uh, using in, in that situation talking about the children. You see, it's the people with their hands full that have an impossible time getting into the kingdom of heaven. People that come with, with their riches. People with their wealth. That they think that maybe through their goodness that this reveals the, the blessing of God or, or that somehow they're able to, to purchase their way into, into, the, 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 into the kingdom of God by, by giving out and being generous. as something that they're holding in their hands that it's getting in the way of how God calls us with nothing we have nothing there are other people that will uh, put trust in their in their good works in their ability to be good to others to be sharing and and, and not telling lies and 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 not getting in the way and not creating conflict with other people depending on their own goodness being able to follow all of the Ten Commandments to receive entry into the kingdom of God. All of those things that we put into that place where we, we are trusting in other things rather than fully trusting in Christ, what He has done for us. He calls us to come with nothing, it is impossible. For anyone to enter into the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible. When we come with those empty hands, recognizing that there is nothing that we can offer God that, that, that allows us, that gains us entry into his kingdom. It's with that kind of humility, that kind of recognition, that God then comes and gives us the kingdom. What's taking preeminence in your life? Jesus said some hard things in this passage. He talks about giving up family, giving up brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, children even anyone allows those priorities to take preeminence in their life over Christ. It gets in the way of their entrance into the kingdom. It gets in the way of their faith in Jesus. Trying to think what are ways that those kinds of relationships can get in the way and become more important in our lives than Christ. I think we, we see it the way that, that parents prioritize their children, the way that they sacrifice everything for their kids. A good attitude, a good practice, but I've seen so many that have, in their desire to provide the best for their kids, they sacrifice their involvement in church life. Their kids are interested in sports, and all the sports happen on Sundays, so they're not able to make it to church on a regular basis. And, and, and that, it's not that, that we are saved by our participation on a Sunday morning church service. But the more that we isolate ourselves from the Word of God, from the fellowship of the believers, the harder and harder it it is to be able to, to remain connected, to remain steadfast. How many of those families that I've seen over the years no longer go to church, their kids are done with sports, they're no longer taking them to regular activities, and yet still they've lost that connection to God, whether it's the children or the parents themselves. Parents, we are called to care for our children. We're called to give our best for the kids. But but never do those children take preeminence over our relationship with Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, all of the good and benefit that there is for getting your kids involved in sports and extracurricular activities, are going to pale into comparison of of helping them recognize the importance of being involved in the body of Christ and, and being connected to Jesus in spiritual submission and in faith. So what are some of those things that are taking preeminence in your life? Is it is it your family? Is it your work? Is it social media? That those escapes into games or movies or books, those things that, that become so important that we sacrifice our faith, that, that, that instead of drawing us deeper into relationship with Christ, they veer our focus and our attention onto other things. know i can get myself all tied up in knots trying to think is my motivations right am i am i focused on the right things am am i making jesus the most important here's the 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 good news jesus that when we ask when we lay our lives in front of the holy spirit and say lord show me What are those things that I have put in preeminence in a more prominent spot than you? Show me what that is. Help me to recognize that. That is a prayer that he will answer every time. But be careful. (laughs) If you pray that, you then are going to have to respond to those things that he convicts you on, those things that he points out in your life that have grabbed your attention. But when we ask the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, or or Jesus' brother James wrote, that, that if any of you lack wisdom, ask. and The Father will give generously to those who ask. He will show you. And He will then give you the strength to reorient your priorities. To, to once again getting things in the proper order in your life. Whatever is impossible for man is absolutely possible with God. Jesus, we thank You for this hard lesson, this important lesson of of how you are calling us to genuine faith. That you aren't, uh, that you aren't satisfied with, with second place or third place in our lives, but that you must hold the highest affection in our hearts. me just give you a moment right now just to pray that prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to to point out in your life what are those things that you have allowed to creep into a higher priority than Jesus and give you that opportunity to confess those and bring them to him turn that area of of your life over to him so that he may have your whole heart, not a divided. We bring all that we have to you. And we lay it all down, recognizing that all of it comes from you. So Lord, we give up our ownership of that and ask that you would use it for your purposes and your glory, that you would break those holds that are on our lives. So that we can have you in that preeminent place in our hearts. We can follow your commands and walk with you as you have called us. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of in the last couple of weeks, um had an opportunity to to go and and sit down with uh, with Ingrid and Jack and uh, have a a conversation with them. And in the course of that conversation as we were praying together, Ingrid started praying for me and uh, said that the Lord is going to be doing some sifting in your life. And uh, sifting is getting through and getting some of that extra stuff that is getting in the way of your relationship with God. Um, And that's been happening. There are those things that are being revealed in my heart that I've allowed to uh, silly, insignificant things that have suddenly taken hold of my life. Um, Let me encourage you. Open up, talk to one another. A key way that God speaks to us is through one another. The experiences that you've had, God can use to help shape and encourage and build up somebody else. Somebody else has gone through some of the similar circumstances to what you're facing right now. And their words of encouragement, their experiences of how God has led them through that can be a huge impact on your life. Pray for one another. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through your brothers and sisters here. And watch how He will transform your lives. He is a good, good Father.